0: hello everyone and inside today's locked on canadians a roundup around the league including some safety news from the montreal canadians was slavkovsky promoted as a last chance or was it earned and so much more inside today's show you are locked on canadians your daily podcast on the montreal canadians part of the locked on podcast network your team every day Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 949 of Locked on Canadian. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel and make every moment more. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any $5 money line bet. That's $150 if your team wins. Visit FanDuel.com slash on today to get started. I am one of your hosts. I am Scott Matla. I am, of course, flying solo this week, while my co-host is on vacation you can follow me on Twitter at Scott Mello. You can follow the show on Twitter at LO underscore Canadians. And you can find us wherever you get your daily podcasts. Google, Apple, Spotify, or if you are watching My Shining Face on YouTube.com. Make sure you tell all your friends if you're looking for a daily Montreal Canadiens podcast. that We cover a little bit of everything here if you are new. And if you're returning, hello, everyone. You know me. You know that I am the less voice of reason on this podcast. And because it is my show this week... It's going to be, we've got plenty to talk about, basically. The Habs were off today. Today was picture day, which is always adorable and fun. Uh, Someone whoopee cushioned, I believe it was Jake Evans, whoopee cushioned, Martin Saint-Louis. Everyone got a good chuckle out of that, which who doesn't love a good fart joke? I am, I am no, you know, I am not the exception to this rule. Fart jokes are always funny. Let's be quite honest here. But there was some Canadians news today that I want to kind of talk about because I think it is very important. Uh, it's something we haven't really touched on uh, too much on this show because it it I there didn't feel like a proper time to do it justice. But uh, following the tragic passing of Adam Johnson after being cut by escape blade in uh, the Elite Ice Hockey League in the UK, uh, England. If I if I'm saying that wrong, my apologies for that. Uh, the league oh it there mandated neck guards, and we have seen more and more players across junior leagues across the AHL, across the NHL, adopting the neck guards. And the Laval Rocket, some of the players have already started to do that. Uh, Leah Sanderson, his brother re- asked him to wear one in games, and Leah Sanderson has been wearing one uh, since that incident occurred. He's had one on in every single game that he has played so far. We've seen some players around the NHL start to adopt that, and the Canadians now have jumped on to – that wagon as well. Eric Engels reported today that the Canadians put in an order for 24 shirts with the neck guard built into them. I believe Uh, Bauer, one of the other companies, makes them. There may be a local company that does so. I don't have that company name in front of me, but they put in an order for 24 of them, which would cover the entire NHL roster right now. I assume we will see players starting to wear them in practice, potentially as soon as tomorrow, depending on how long. Uh, it takes for the delivery, but I imagine the Canadians probably sent someone to get those picked up immediately. And I think that is a hugely positive sign. It can't be understated that if one or two players do it, it is a good sign that these things are happening. We like to see these things happening. When an entire team, a team itself takes that initiative to purchase these and make them available. Players are not going out and getting them through their sponsors or anything. The team is providing them for them immediately. I think that's a hugely positive sign. That's a really good thing for this league here. And I know some people are like, oh, they already wear this. I'm not interested in anything. If a player wants that extra layer protection, great. If a player at the NHL level doesn't want to wear a visor, but wants to wear a full cage or the fishbowl instead, I don't care. Go ahead and let them. If that is what they want to wear to feel safe. We saw it with... Years ago, when Eric Carlson got his Achilles cut in that uh, whole incident against, oh, God, who was it? Was it the Penguins with Matt Cook at the time, I believe? We saw a huge push for Kevlar socks, cut-resistant socks, and they became the norm. And that was a player being admittedly seriously injured, dangerously injured. This is a turning point where we start to look at player safety and everything around the NHL and in hockey as a whole. We've seen players in the AHL take it on them and I believe several leagues are looking at mandating uh neckwear going forward which I think is a huge step. And I know some people are like it's uncomfortable, it's this I would prefer that I not that we never have to repeat this again. We've seen it in the past where people were lucky, Richard Zednik, uh Clint Mallardchuk Uh, Adam Johnson's passing is is a tragedy across the board here and I'm hoping it kind of reassesses how we view player safety outside the scope of oh they got hit weirdly into the boards or from behind there's a lot more to that and I'm glad there's some proactivity and I love to see that from the Canadians and I'm hoping more teams are following suit in that regard even if it is just for practice I'm happy to see people taking that next step and you know, doing the little things that can end up meaning a lot there. Uh we'll find out who is potentially wearing them, who is not, I imagine in the next two to three days here as the Canadians practice and get ready for a uh, four game week against they have Tampa coming up next, who are currently beating Toronto four to one, which is Well, the Habs are playing another team on a back-to-back and they've played terribly against two other teams on back-to-backs this year, but Tampa's good. So maybe they'll play really well against Tampa. This is me crossing my fingers on that. Uh, I uh, (laughs) will find out, I guess. It's going to be an interesting game at the Bell Center. There is more news around the NHL and I really hoped I would never have to talk about this again, to be quite honest with you. Not because I don't think it's important, not because it doesn't deserve to be talked about, but because it's... It's so maddening that this is happening again. The Chicago Blackhawks are once again in the spotlight for no good reasons. A second black ace, John Doe, has come forward uh, suing the Chicago Blackhawks organization, claiming he was also sexually assaulted and things by former video coach Brad Aldrich, which comes on the heels of the Kyle Beach investigation. And it's... It's so maddening, and I'm not one of those people that wants to look in this be like, ah, oh, well, they got Bedard and all this other stuff. It's, it's so upsetting that this is allowed to be had. I am very grateful that Kyle Beach has provided enough of a platform, potentially, for other people that may have been impacted by this to step up and make their voice known and that they are not suffering in silence with this on in the back of their head or in their conscience right now. So what drives me nuts is this comes on the heels of the entire Ottawa Senators thing. The Blackhawks did not surrender any draft picks, were fined a certain amount of money and everything. They did not lose a draft pick, ended up drafting first overall and they got Connor Bedard, which is already maddening enough and then the Ottawa Senators who improperly filed paperwork and had a gambling suspension have suffered more for its Someone phrased it to me that it is different things. It is embarrassing the team versus embarrassing the league, which is true. It's just this has happened again. And my whole thought is that anyone who was working in that organization at this point, it should be done. You do not come back. Done. You are not coming back to this league. We know Joel Quenville and we know, I believe, Stan Bowman were at GM and coaches meetings and other things uh, in the offseason. And just no. Done. No. I don't want to hear anything else because if I know one thing about the sport of hockey is that they will come back in and then someone will write a redemption story arc about them. One time of this happening was bad enough, not counting all the other things that potentially happened with the Blackhawks, which I'm not getting into right now. A second time is inexcusable done. Burn the franchise to the ground, salt the earth where it stood, reload the gate, the team somewhere else, anything tied to that franchise done. It's, it's disgusting that this has happened. And I am so glad that this John Doe has felt that he can speak up and that he can make his voice heard and that he can seek justice for what has happened to him. But it is so maddening that a league where Gary Batman was a week ago before, I believe it was the outdoor game, the heritage classic was on Pat McAfee talking about how great the league is and how attendance numbers are up and all this other stuff before the And situation happened, Shane Pinto was suspended, and then this news came out. Your league is a serious problem, Gary. And if you're not gonna, you know, address it at any point in time, people are gonna stop caring. I I am hoping that we get a swift resolution to this and that, you know, there's actual punishment doled out. I'm not anticipating this being over quickly. I'm looking at how long they're dragging their feet on the world juniors report. I am just hoping that the victim in this gets some semblance of peace by the end of it. Uh, as things continue in that, we will obviously keep you updated on this podcast and across the Lockdown NHL Network for those who also deal with these kind of things. i would got to transition things here. It is never easy to follow a very tough segment. With our mailbag, but we have a lot of leftover mailbag questions that we did not get to last week, and I'm going to be jumping into those coming up next. But first, as I said off the top of the show, today's show is brought to you by FanDuel, and you can score early this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook, because right now, brand new customers can get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150 bucks. If your team wins, that's it. Super simple, right? And if you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app is safe, secure, easy to use. So when you cash out and you win on your bet, you can cash out immediately. Go buy yourself a victory soda or something. I I, I would buy more Mountain Dew game fuel if I could with my winning bets. You can bet on the spread, player props, over-unders, and more. There is something for everybody on FanDuel. It does end all you gotta do is visit FanDuel.com/lockedon and kick off the NFL season with FanDuel, the official sportsbook partner of the NFL, and us here at Locked We are back here at Locked On Canadians. I'm wrapping up some mailbag questions because people had some interesting things that we were not able to uh, get to last week, and I didn't wasn't able to fit into the Monday three up and three down episode. And we have one that I cannot tell because Laura sent me a screenshot, and I apologize. I'm looking at my phone to read these because they are the closest thing to me. And it says, hey, Laura and Scott, just listen to the end of the first period against the Blue with Slefkowski's goal on the power play. And here are my two questions. Was he put on the first line as a reward for better play and to help get the power play going? Or was he put there as some sort of last chance before he goes down to Laval? Mm-hmm. And it's an interesting question. I don't think it's really a last chance thing. I think that they would have found something that worked here. Uh, I like to think that, hey, this is us giving you a shot, though. We trust you in this. And Martin St. Louis had a quote that I do not have in front of me right now that kind of reinforces the thought of he wants to work with him. He's constantly communicating with Uri Slavkovsky. What is he trying to do? What is he doing well? What can he work on? What are the expectations? I expect to see Uri Slefkovsky on that top line against Tampa Bay, and I expect to see him there until, you know, he proves he cannot hang there right now. I don't think he's going down to Laval, especially this week. They don't play until Sunday now. There are NHL games to be played. One spare forward. I love Jesse Olin, and I will get to him in one second here, but I don't think this was a last chance kind of thing before he's demoted to the AHL. If they were going to demote him to the AHL, they would have just done so and put Josh Anderson on the top line and put Yeseel and him back in the lineup because that simplifies everything. Putting him there just to yank him away to send him down to the AHL afterwards feels unnecessarily cruel and kind of goes against what Martin St. Louis has been working on doing as a coach. I don't think it's a last chance. I'm very interested to see what he can do against the Tampa Bay team who is flying tonight against Toronto. Always a dangerous team. They're going to have tough matchups. He's going to have... Tough defensive game here. I'm curious if he can build on that goal on the power play there. I'd like to see more of him on the power play. And tangentially tied into the top uh, line thing here is, I'm looking for the question very quickly here. Uh, this comes from at have one, four, one, two on Twitter. A Friday mailbag question. Should Jesse be given an opportunity to play on the top line with Suzuki and Caulfield? Anyone who knows me knows that I've been screaming about this. Yes. He's someone that I would really like to see on that top line. Maybe not as much as Slavkovsky right now, but he's someone that I want to see more of. I thought he's had a quiet start to the season, but has been building his game up in other ways that makes him a much more well-rounded, dangerous player. He's killing penalties this year, and it's a surprising thing. He didn't kill a lot of penalties with the Laval Rocket, at least not at first. And he looked pretty decent in that role, and with his offensive skills and his ability to skate, he becomes a much more flexible player in that I think Jesse Olen is someone who's not getting enough ice time in this. I love Michael Pizzetta to death. Do not get me wrong. And Yol Armia hasn't been terrible, but he is not my preferred guy to have in the lineup right now. I would like to see Jesse Olen get that shot a little bit more, I think. Um, maybe Armia goes back down to Laval. Maybe someone gets traded. It's up in the air at this point. But Jesse Olen is someone that I would like to see move up onto the top line here. Uh, Also in the questions from Jeff, the red, what is Brendan Gallagher's ideal role at this point in his career? What are his best case and worst case scenarios for this season and next? I think this is his ideal role right now. He's a secondary kind of auxiliary player on a line with guys who maybe get those secondary matchups can eat defensive minutes fairly well and have are chipping in the odd goal here or there. I don't think Brendan Gallagher is going to be a 30-goal guy anymore. He's pacing for it this season. I don't anticipate that being what he does. If he ends between 15 and 20, I think he's had a pretty successful season overall. Brendan Gallagher's thing right now, I think, is being that middle six kind of plug-and-play piece. We know that he can be effective at generating chance. He's doing an extremely good job of generating expected goals again this season, which is something he struggled with in the past few years because he just wasn't in position, wasn't getting the opportunities. It looks like Brendan Gallagher is kind of getting back to what made him effective beforehand. And Habs fans should be excited about that. Cause that means that there is secondary scoring on this team. while they try and figure out what's going on with Anderson and new hook and everybody else here. Uh, I think the worst case scenario is, you know, and I am knocking on wood on everything that I can find here, is that he gets hit with a slap shot in front of the net again. And, you know, everything kind of undoes itself. If he stays healthy, I think you've got a good shot generating middle six forward here and someone that the Canadians can rely on to, oh, you know, so-and-so got injured. We need a, a piece in the top line there. Put Brendan Gallagher out there. Let him... You know, banging some goals, create some opportunities in front of net there, bounce pucks off of him, and let things happen. Uh, Also from Jeff the Red, what's your over-under on NHL games played for Joshua Waugh this year? Uh, 12. That's kind of where my line is. I think that they should leave him with the rocket for most of the season until either injuries strike and they need wingers, or after the trade deadline and they want to give him his cup of coffee. And I say that because Waugh hasn't played badly. But since he scored all those points two weeks ago, he's been very quiet as he hasn't been able to finish the opportunities, the opportunities haven't gotten there. He's generating a ton of shots every game. He almost always leads the rocket in shots. It's just he's not getting the puck in the net right now. And the team is struggling a little bit. Taking him out of that just to put him in the NHL is not going to help either solution right now. I think he's gonna play a handful of games down the stretch here after the trade deadline when bodies are moved out and there's an opportunity. He will get his cup of coffee in the NHL here. I know Matt Drake will be excited about that. I will be very excited about that. It's I am really hoping to see, you know, the, the best from him uh going forward here. And a lot of people have asked what's wrong with the Rocket is just it's it's hard to say. They lost five nothing on Saturday in a game where the offense looked good and then just nothing they could not finish their chances and this is exactly what happened last year good thing they're doing good things don't get rewarded goals go in team kind of collapses i think joshua is kind of in a little bit of a funk where his shots aren't going in he's generating good looks and good opportunities but again he's going to explode here again shortly uh And we have one more question from at Claude Martin on, I believe this is a YouTube uh, comment. Now by question, do you think having too many defensemen can water down their individual trade values and or lowers their cap space value if you can pin them against each other for salary? Pardon my French. I don't think having too many good defensemen is a bad thing. If you make it known that you're looking to trade one of them, I think then you kind of um, suck the value out of that player. I don't think the Canadians are having that issue right now. I think that they have a lot of very good players. I think outside of Lane Hudson and potentially David Reimbacher, there's no one of them that I look at and go, they are off limits in terms of prospects. And I don't think that's going to drive down their value. I think Adam Engstrom is valuable. I think David Reinbacher is valuable. Lane Hudson is valuable. Jaden Struble and Logan Mayu, et cetera. Some guys may have lesser value just because they are what they are at this point. And that's how aging curves work. I don't think having too many and pinning them against each other in competition will lower their value because they're all still very good. And it's a close competition. You look at other teams and you go, yeah, okay, maybe we can get a lot for this. So I wouldn't worry about it too much going forward. But speaking of NHL defensemen and their value, Jonathan Kovacevic in line for a long-term extension. We'll find out when we get back in our next segment. But today's show is also brought to you by the friends at Sleeper, and a new NHL season brings all sorts of possibilities. Cole Caulfield could score 50 goals. The Canadians, well, slight chance, could hoist the Stanley Cup for a 24th time, and you could win big playing daily fantasy hockey on Sleeper, the official daily fantasy hockey app of the Locked On NHL Network. Sleeper is our number one choice for daily fantasy sports and especially daily fantasy hockey because with Sleeper, you can win 100 times your cash in daily fantasy hockey contests. You know the Oilers are going to snap out of this at some point. Connor McDavid's going to go off. If you bet on him and put him in your lineup and make your right picks, you could win 100 times the money. And guess what? If hockey isn't your thing, you can play the NFL, NBA, MLB, and college football on sleeper as well. And entries can all be made in under a minute. All you have to do is just pick whether studs like McDavid, Zovechkin gonna get off this goal streak, is Nick Suzuki gonna continue his hot streak, will record more or less than their sleeper projections in things like goals, assists, saves, and plus minus in more in, in a given game. To win a $100 bet on Sleeper, you need to correctly predict the outcome of eight-player stats. You heard me, Habs fans. 100 times your money when you start playing daily fantasy hockey with Sleeper. Start paying attention. Nail those picks so you can start winning big. Just use promo code Locked LOCKEDONNHL and you'll get a $100 match on your first deposit. Terms and conditions apply. That's code NHL. See Sleeper's terms of use for details and locational availability. We are back wrapping up. A Friday, not a Friday mailbag, a Tuesday mailbag, because it is Monday night when I am recording this. And we had a very interesting question, something I hadn't really considered uh, before too long. And it was, let me see here. This is in our email from David Hoffman. This question asks you to compare what Kovacevich means to the Habs compared to what I saw from Mark Edward Vlasic do for the Sharks for so many years. I am not suggesting that Kovacevich should get a ridiculous multi-year contract that Pickles got from Doug Wilson, but he was a steady, consistent player for the Sharks for many years. I do not know his career plus minus. And he is not worth what he's being paid now. And I understand you pay good, long-term players for what they have done in the past. But I think Kovich Savage has proven himself to be that player should the hat and should be a hab for life with whatever is a fair contract. Also, understanding that this comes with a cap increase of four to five million, and contracts will go up. Curious about your thoughts on this. I hope they sign him long-term. and If you do, what do you think he will get? He's already on technically, well, not a long-term. He got a three-year extension with the Winnipeg Jets and when he was put on waivers and claimed by the Canadians. Jonathan Kovacevic is someone who is, I kind of call him a chameleon because he blends in. You don't always notice what he is doing, but he's very good at doing it. A lot like Brett Kulak in some ways, in that if they wanted to go another three years on Kovacevic to be like their five, six, seven guy at two, two and a half. Maybe I think that's a slight raise from what he's making now. If he proves that he can continue to play like he did last year, he's having some struggles this season. I would like to see if he can get back to what he was doing last year, because if he can, then absolutely. You kind of look into that longer term extension there uh, going into next year, which I believe is the last year of his new contract. I don't do it right now just because he's struggling right. Unless you can get him at a great value. I, I wouldn't go more than another three years on that though, because I think his ceiling is what it is. He's a bottom, you know, three NHL defenseman. He's very good at what he does. Like Mark Edward Vlasic was, I'm not saying he's at that same elite level. Vlasic was an Olympian. I believe, I just think that they do have a lot of guys coming down the pipeline. Like that last question asked is having too many defensemen, a bad thing. You have potentially William Trudeau. You have Jaden Struble. You have Logan Mayun, potentially Matthias Norlander, Lane Hudson, you have David Reinbacher, you have Adam Engstrom, you have Bogdan Kunyushkov, who is still lighting up the KHL. Then you have guys in the NHO who are on the younger side right now. Your Arbor you your Caden Gooley, um, Justin Barron, etc. You have young guys in this lineup at this exact moment. I think they're pro- they might extend him if he continues to. Grow like we saw last year. It's just that it's kind of up in the air, and unless he can show that he can rebound from what's been a slower start this year, and maybe that's when he gets back together with Caden Gouli on a pairing or something else, we'll be very. I'd be interested to see that. Right now, I wouldn't go long term, and probably not over to point two five. I think, but with the cap going up, contracts are going to go up. Like you said, I'd be very interested to see what he's projected at. Maybe the folks at Evolving Wild have. A nice contract projection for that. I can check that out. Or someone could tweet it at us at LO underscore Canadians on Twitter and let us know. And this ties in great to our next question. It's actually about Arbor Jack Eye here. And I'm going to just pull that up real quick. Mailbag question from Jackie Face Punch on YouTube. Great username, by the way. Jackie brings a lot to this team, and the team has rewarded him with a regular spot in the lineup. Having said that, he has recently taken a couple of penalties that made the camera pan to Martin St. Louis' frustrated face at the worst possible moments. How long is Jack Eye's leash? Also considering his good five-on-five numbers, why do not they Why do they rarely use him in the final minutes of close games? The biggest thing is I think he's got plenty of leash because he's a young guy learning, and that is where this team is at right now. But at the same time, there was a point, I think it was two weeks ago, i forg- I want to say it was the wild game, where they were down defensemen and they had injuries that the only reason he wasn't benched or sent down, I think is because they didn't have anybody else right now. Some of the penalties are iffy and I I don't love them, but at the same time, Arbor Jack, I now has a reputation in the league. He is known to officials, whether that's good or bad is up for your analysis, but, it's very clear that they are aware of who he is and what he brings to the ice every single game for better or for worse. I, at five on five, I want to look into the numbers a little bit deeper here because I've seen a lot of good things for everyone not named Mike Matheson at this point. And my thought is part of that is he doesn't play more at five on five or when they need goals late because he can't stop taking penalties. And therein lies the problem is Good at five on five, can't stay on the ice. stay at five on five, and we're just going in this circle of this vicious cycle of taking penalties and everything. If he can hone in on what's causing him to take penalties, whether it be where his stick positioning is, or if he can just rein in that, I think that we could see Eye really hit that next level. He's been a lot better surprised. He's continued to make strides year after year after year. He's putting in the effort and getting better. And even in the couple of years since his last camp, he looks so much better than he used to. But for right now, it's they want to get Mike Matheson going. And I know it is frustrating because I'm getting frustrated by it. But until Jack, I can rein in the penalties, they're not going to give him those high leverage situation minutes because you can't trust him to stay out of the box in those. And that's kind of the truth of the matter on that one. Um, I guess we'll see. Tampa's going to be feisty. I know he'll be spoiling for a fight this week. The Bruins game invites opportunities. The Red Wings game probably will. He could be a busy guy this week. Stay out of the box. Keep your penalty kill off the ice and get some power play points. And I think we might see him turn that corner there. Uh, As always, if you have more mailbag questions, you can tweet us at LO underscore Canadians on Twitter. You can send them to LockedOnCanadians at gmail.com. You can DM us on Twitter as well. Uh, We we love all sorts of questions. I will be back tomorrow. I'm going to recap the game, uh, see hopefully a Habs win there, break that down, preview what's coming up this week, maybe take a look, look around the league there. Or if you've got something that you're just dying to know, you can tweet me at Scott Matla on Twitter as well, or the app formerly known as Twitter, if it is working at the given time of this. I'm going to sign off though. Please tell all your friends, you can find us wherever you find your daily podcast, Google, Apple, Spotify and beyond or on youtube.com as well. I got to thank you all for listening and we will see you all next time.